Welcome to Startup Dads, a podcast about the highs and lows of building a business and raising a family at the same time. For more information about the topics we cover on the podcast and other Startup Dads related content, you can follow us on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod. I'm Amrit, co-founder of Hyper Exponential, a tech startup that I co-founded in 2017. It's grown from a two-person team working out of my kitchen to a profitable business with several large clients and more than 20 team members across London and Europe. I'm also dad to Evie, my first child who was born last December. And I'm Joe. I'm dad to Esme, Lila and Nancy, who are 10, 8 and 5. I've been working on startups, in startups or with startups virtually my whole career, which is about 20 years now. In episode one, we talked about the beginning of our startup journeys and the difference between reality and expectation. However, this is the Startup Dads podcast, so today we're going to talk about the dad's bit, the decision to start a family while running your own business. So Joe, as we talked about previously, you've been a startup guy since you can remember, since the beginning of your career, starting a family while just being yourself. Did you feel like when you had kids, did it change your attitude to working for a startup? Did you have a perception of risk that changed before and after having kids? Yeah, I guess for me, I've always liked having my own business or being involved in very early stage businesses. And I think I've kind of always known that I wanted to have kids as well. So it was sort of more like ticking off life goals than a calculated decision, like, right, now's the moment. And I I remember I must have been kind of in my mid-twenties and my mum telling me, if you wait until you're ready to have kids, you'll never, ever have kids. And I think that sort of stays with me now. The the financial security aspect of it is a little bit scary. At the same time, you know, you talk to lots and lots of women that leave corporate employment to go and have kids and are very unsure about how that message is going to go down, how it's going to be perceived, are very unsure about returning to work and how that can be. And so I've kind of always seen, well, actually, in a startup, there's almost none of those concerns because, you know, a lot of the time the only person you've got to convince is yourself around that. So I've actually always kind of felt very fortunate rather than being too, too worried about it. I'm not a poker player with startups. You know, I've, I've never put sums of money in that I either can't afford to lose or that feel disproportionate to the, to the risk and the opportunity there. It's a funny one because I think when I look at things now um, and looking back, you, you know, I would say, oh, actually, that was a pretty precarious position to be in as a family. So I think I've probably been a little bit more grown up about it. I've always observed, you know, whenever you look at people that that, that circulate financial advice, personal financial planning advice, that kind of thing, um, and they always talk about building a monthly budget and then subtracting from your monthly budget what your outgoings are and what you've got left at the end of the month is, you know, well, that's, that's either your disposable income or some savings or whatever. Having only ever worked in startups, I've just never done that. I've always viewed income as a, as a burn down basically. Yeah, you run your own cash burn. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, right, well, I've got this much money right now and I'm going to be in real trouble if I haven't raised some other money in, you know, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 24 weeks, whatever that period needs to be. You know, and even now, you know, we're kind of pretty financially secure and, and, and comfortable. I still kind of look at it that way, that actually it's a case of feeling that even when you've got some revenue, that's not the key figure to look at. The key figure is, you know, Kind of how, how far from the wall are you today and, and what's that going to look like in four weeks' time? That's um, very true. So, yeah, I, I think probably having kids has 
maybe matured the attitude a little bit. But I don't really think it was a big calculated gamble. You know, can, can we afford to do this? Is it, is it reckless to, to have kids in, in this position? I think, uh, I think it's one of those interesting things that if you are a startup-y sort of person, irrespective of whether you've had a business before or not, you tend to think a little bit like this. Before I had a startup, before I ran my own business, just like you, I've been very, very focused on, despite working for a very mathematical forecasting traditional profession for many years, I've always been really about, you know, are my prospects looking good, right? Is the weather good in the future? Uh, am I going to be okay? Uh, maybe that just means I'm a terrible planner, a terrible actuary. But like you say, I think, you know, if you're the sort of person that's really, really worried about security and the the prospect of not being extremely secure or not being able to manage, manage that budget with tremendous certainty, it's almost probably a little bit of an informative statement about kind of whether running your own business uh, is the is the the right thing for you. So maybe it's a kind of reverse question, actually. No, I, th- I think that's exactly right. Trying to do anything in a startup if you're not a natural optimist must be absolutely impossible, must be so painful to do. Because, you know, even if you do all your research and all the numbers are looking great, you need a fundamental optimism that this is going to work out well. Uh, if, If you can't lay your hands on that, then no amount of background analysis is going to convince you to give yes. away security and continuity and peace of mind uh, for, for something that, you know, is, yeah, it, it's a punt yeah. at, the, at the end of the day. You hear the phrase that 99%, it's a, I think it's an arbitrary number, 99% of people who start startups, their, their startups fail. At the same time, I think lots of people start startups. You know, most people know that number going in. And like you say, I think you have to be an optimist. You've got to believe, even if the odds are against you, you've got to believe that you're the one uh, that's going to make it. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And um, I can't remember who it was now said something really interesting about this. They said, you know, actually the the number one cause of startups failing is not running out of money. It's the founders giving up. And yeah, those Graham. are not necessarily the same thing. The founders can keep going long after the money's run out. I think you do just need a little bit of um, a bit of true grit to, to, to see it through. Yeah. I also don't really have much of a plan B. You know, if this doesn't work, I'll go and do that instead. It's like, well, if you're optimistic about plan A, then you never really spend too much time thinking about what plan B might look like. I, th- I think the stereotype would be that startups are a difficult place to to have kids and it's difficult for a startup to be a, a family-friendly place to work. I'm sure you've made changes to what you're doing now, but how did you feel about trying to make HX a, a family-friendly place? Uh, before you had kids? And, 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 you know, is it even possible for a startup to be truly family-friendly in that sense? Sarah and I had been thinking about have, having kids for a while and deciding to set up HX was certainly a variable into the timing of us uh, having EV. I certainly think that if you have a startup, the one thing I would say is if you run your own business or you set up your own business, a startup or any sort of entrepreneurial venture, it is going to take up a disproportionate amount of your life. You know, it takes up a lot of your life and it takes up way more of your physical and mental space than a conventional job does. One thing I would say, though, is it doesn't take up your entire life. Setting up HX, one thing I've really learned, and I know it's a a cliche, is I learned that there are 168 hours in the week, right? Uh, And you need lots of them for sleeping and eating and keeping yourself remotely presentable and, uh, and human. But there are a lot of hours left after that. And I think you have to be able to prioritize and plan so, you know, in terms of your question about was it possible to, did I think about making HX while having kids? Well, absolutely. I knew it was going to be difficult, but certainly not impossible. The second part of that is, you know, is it possible for a startup to be a family-friendly place? 
I think there are different aspects to that. One of the biggest things that sticks out to me about working at a, a small but rapidly growing business is flexibility. And, you know, HX as a business, and I think most startups, they're very, very results focused, right? You know, we are not fundamentally, as organizations grow and become more mature, I think they necessarily become a little bit more bureaucratic and systematic. At HX, we have to be incredibly focused on results. And as a result, kind of conventional mechanisms, the mechanism by which we achieve those results, it doesn't really matter. And in fact, we don't have the time or the people or the administrative support to kind of mess around with overly worrying about those sorts of processes. So a good example of that is, you know, we don't really track hours at HX. Don't get me wrong, we work very hard. We have certain meetings that we need to be together and we need to respect punctuality. But we don't track hours. And as a result, it's actually very flexible for me if I want to get up and spend the first couple of hours in the day with Evie, help getting her ready, and then work a little bit later in the evening. You know, that's not difficult. And there, there's no restrictions on me. And that's not just because I'm one of the founders. That applies to anyone at HX. Flexibility is incomparable, actually, compared to the larger organizations. I, th I think the world is changing. I think the world is changing and organizations are waking up to the fact that actually measuring results, it doesn't matter what size you are, is much, much more important than measuring inputs. And as a result, you know, you're seeing flexible working, you're seeing much more support for people to, to look after their kids in a much more optimal way rather than a structured traditional way. The way you talk about it, do you think it's easier working in a corporate? As in, do you think the actual workload is smaller? Um, it's hard for me to answer that question, being one of the founders. I certainly think my experience of having worked in corporates for 15 years is I think there's a lot more room for slack. I've worked for, you know, growing businesses, but businesses that were, you know, billion dollar balance sheets. You don't get something done on a day. You move the needle by a, a couple of thousand, you know, even hundreds of thousands of pounds for a large business. It doesn't really materially impact the business. Whereas at, at, at HX, everything, pretty much everything everyone does, you know, there are more than 20 of us now, but still everything everyone does has a, a leveraged impact on our success. So, you know, I'm not sure whether the workload, I'd say the workload is higher, but more importantly, every single bit of the work counts for a lot more. Yeah, it's like a closer connection between what you're trying to get done and, and whether it actually makes the difference you need. Yeah. And the other thing I would say though there is you've got a very strong sense of how important what you're doing is, and that makes it much easier to get the work done. In the context of having kids, you, you have to prioritise. And I think, you know, your, your question about is it possible to have a family-friendly uh, startup? I, I think absolutely. I mean, I think since having set up HX, I have a much, much stronger sense of my priorities than I ever did. And that was before having Evie. And, you know, Evie is my number one priority by a significant margin now, but she's not my only priority. And maybe, you know, maybe that makes me a bad person, um, but she's not the only thing in my life. And I love my business and I love my team. Uh, and I, lo you know, yeah. I love my daughter more than any of those things. But you learn to be very economic and efficient with your time. A startup environment actually means that you can absolutely have your kids. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not going out and getting pissed uh, three times a week. Uh, there are lots of things that I don't have time for anymore, but I have loads and loads of time for my business and loads and loads of time for my little girl. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Um, you sort of touched on it a little bit then. Has your working pattern then changed a lot since you became a dad? Because obviously that's a little bit more recent than, than founding a business. Uh, definitely. You know, one of the things that you don't factor in, I think, before you have kids is how important routine is for them. And I, I'm, I'm the nature of my brain and the way I work is I'm not a routine-based person. I can work very, very intensely for one thing 
for a very long time and then worked very randomly on lots of small things. And, and therefore, my schedule and, and the way I worked would be very flexible in the past. Uh, whereas having a really strong routine is very important for children. The fact that Evie gets up at 7.30 means I get up very early. I get up before that and I do a little bit of work before that because when she gets up, I want to be there. And again, we're in the post-COVID world, so I'm at home much more and so I can afford to be. And I also stop work before Eve goes to sleep so I can spend time, time with her. That's the biggest thing. My working patterns have become a lot more structured. For some people, that will be a natural thing for them. For me, that's not natural, but it's yeah. not a difficult shift, I would say. So have you got a rigid schedule for Evie? Do you, know, do you have something pinned to the fridge with nap times? And Yeah, I mean, we have a, a, we have a, a rigid schedule for Evie. I don't think she gives a damn about our schedule. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, she's yeah. definitely my daughter. And every time I try to get her to do anything, she instantaneously disagreed with it. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, so we have a schedule. Uh, we're valiantly trying to stick to it. Uh, it works. I'd say, like, I, I'm a good actress. So I'd say, you know, eight times out of ten, it's, it's probably a good place to, yeah. to be. And so do you find your working schedule is actually implied by... The, the negative space in Evie's schedule a lot of the time there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when Evie was first born, uh, when I returned to work after Evie was first born, it, this was a challenge for me, but you learn to adapt. It, I'd say it's negative space. You know, when you are one of the founders, you are the guaranteed gap filler for any of the problems or fires that get set in the business. And so, my, you know, my work schedule is fit, fits around the needs that I have to my team, or, or to whom I'm accountable and to every single one of them and to my family. And therefore, my work schedule is fundamentally in the sub- subtractive space between those two things. Historically, it was a little bit more, I had more space because Evie wasn't around. Yeah, my schedule is very much molded around that. Yeah. The, the question kind of applies a little bit in reverse for you because you started having your own business, had kids. Now your, your kids are a little bit older and you're working with startups more than anything else. Did work-life balance have a different meaning for you before and after having kids? Obviously, work-life balance, the actual volume of work and life you have shifts. But in terms of the meaning for it, did, did, have you found a change? Yeah, I mean, there was a quite a long time through my 20s when it kind of didn't cross my mind that work-life balance was a thing. You know, if I was awake, I was working. And... I got pretty burnt out and an awful lot of that time was not spent very effectively, but I was pretty much on it, you know, the whole time. And I think part of that was naivety and part of that was just not having had any exposure to an environment where that wasn't the case. But then when when my first daughter, when Esme was born, I did have quite a lot of time off and then went back on a pretty part-time basis. And I, the business I was working in then was a kind of flexible stage. We'd just offloaded quite a lot of the business and we're sort of figuring out what to do with the the bits we hadn't sold. So for a lot of the time that um, that Esme was tiny, I was quite a dominant feature in, in her life, I would say. Um, That's awesome. Which, yeah, no, no, that, was, that was really, really good. Um, but then, you know, equally, these things don't always last. By the time we had my third daughter, I was right in the middle of getting a new... A project off the ground and actually I think yeah she's called Nancy I think when Nancy was she was less than three weeks old and I packed a bag and went to the States for a couple of weeks and that didn't feel like a dereliction of duty at the time because I think the family was sort of in a rhythm anyway obviously Laura was on maternity leave in any case um, she was not daunted by the prospect of having you know an, an extra child to keep an eye in the flock. So, so, so can I ask actually, so yeah, that's an interesting point you've touched on there. There's a lot of talk about the marginal increase in difficulty of having kids. That's probably very leveraged when you're working on your own initiatives. You feel the impact, you know, every inch of extra stress you feel, you feel a little bit more. Did you find uh, w- when you had your second, 
what, did that take you closer to the tipping point? Were there things you had to do differently? In, you know, in terms of the negative space, you'd say, you know, the subtractive space that kids take away. Yeah, so so we had our first two kids quite close together. They're only about um, oh, 18 months apart. Okay. And I actually can't recall any of the early days. I think they, <laughs> I think they were incredibly difficult. Um, we were also refurbishing a derelict house at the time. And we, we just had such a lot on. And, you know, I... I I kind of have memories of going into a room at half past six every morning and getting two babies out of two cots and lying them down on the floor next to each other and changing their nappies and getting them up. But I think it was a really brutal time. How did you cope? That, that was difficult. Well, I'm seeking tips. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to say badly. Um, we just had a lot of I was quite busy with, with work by that point. As I said, you know, we're kind of in the middle of a house project as well. Uh, having two kids very close in age like that, but not quite close enough as any sort of economy of scale and what you need to do with them. That was pretty, pretty heavy going. There's a lot of talk about baby schedules and and sticking to a routine. Um, and there are some very strong proponents with some very well-sold books about how important that is. Um, what they kind of don't mention is that as soon as you've got one child already, all of that becomes immaterial because your schedule is not dictated by the needs of the baby. The schedule is dictated by the needs of the toddler or, you know, whatever that that next child is. And so the coping strategy was really just being absolutely led by what the kids would allow us to do Um, Mm. to the point that if they're having tea at five o'clock and they want a bath and then they're tucked up in bed at, you know, half past seven or eight o'clock, that is absolutely the time to get some sleep. You know, if, yeah. if there's a chance that you're going to get four hours of unbroken sleep before someone wakes up and wants something, the, the idea of sitting on the sofa watching telly for a few hours because it's the evening is just absurd. And I think that was probably the biggest thing we really kind of got to grips with. You know, just take the opportunities to to get what you need when the, when the kids allow it, rather than trying to kind of hang on to this semblance of adult life um, <laughs> that, that ultimately will trip you up. That ties in really nicely to the point about leveraging flexibility if you're trying to do this while a startup. What you've described there at HX, if that was what, what any team member needed to do to get through, to get through the day and to keep doing what they wanted to do on the work side, this would not be a, at all a barrier or problem. And I think, you know, that that point about having flexibility, how how you can make it work, you know, because it's not just going to work automatically from what you've described there. And I, I agree, it doesn't, right? That's not something, you know, any preconceptions you had of your life before, you can't just, you should make no assumptions about the extent to which those will continue. But if you can you, you can leverage flexibility to make it work, then I think that, that's something that goes a really long way. That's absolutely true. You know, people talk about this epidemic of of sleep problems. Some people really suffer with that. I've never been a great sleeper. And actually, when I had kids, I did start to realise more and more that it's quite a superpower, actually. You know, being used to being tired and understanding that being tired is not the end of the world. You can still function. You can actually still do incredible things, even though you feel pretty rotten. And you just really hope that at one point in the future, you're going to be able to get your head on a pillow and get some proper sleep. That becomes quite a powerful thing to understand because, you know, it it can be really scary being completely exhausted and at your wits end. And actually having a bit of perspective on it and say, yeah, okay, it, you know, it's only tired. Actually, if, if this is the worst I'm going to feel for the next five hours because these are things I've got to get done before I can actually just collapse somewhere, that's kind of okay. You can leverage all of this to get quite a lot done. Yeah, definitely. I, I think your point about being able to operate 
when you're a little bit tired or, or very tired, you know, it, it fits as a broader point, which I think ties really nicely into the uh, startup analogy, which is, you know, you actually have to get pretty used to as both a, a dad, as a parent and a, a startup founder or someone working at startup in working, doing your best when things are not optimal. Right. I think we work in a world now where everyone talks about optimizing your routine to get loads of sleep and eating really, really cleanly. These things are extremely important and you should strive for them. But it's also really important to be okay with doing your best when they're not. And you learn those things very, very, you you learn to get by under suboptimal constraints. Yeah, no, I I think that's right. As my kids have got a little bit older, I've started to realize more and more. Lots of people complain about work. And I think as a child in a working family, it's quite normal for you to see work as the enemy because it's the thing that is taking your parents away from you. And and then when they come home, they're either complaining about having to do it or complaining that they, you know, they yeah. spent the, doing too much of it or they didn't enjoy what they had to do. And I make quite a concerted effort to be very work positive because actually I want my kids to, in the fullness of time, figure out what they what they would like to do and create the opportunities that they're going to need to go and do those things. But I also don't really, I don't particularly see work as a chore. I mean, sometimes it is, but actually maybe the side effect of, you know, having spent 20 years only really working for businesses that I've got a a, a big attachment to is that, you know, work is, it's interesting, it's fulfilling, you meet great people, you learn nice things. And so, I've really tried to be very work positive around the kids. And, you know, I'll complain if I'm really tired. And on occasions where I've had to do kind of back-to-back work trips to places and have missed a weekend with them and that sort of thing, I will certainly not sound too delighted about that. But equally, I think if you teach your kids that work is a necessary evil, they will grow up thinking that work is a necessary evil. I think that's a pretty sad place to lead your kids especially as a startup founder when you know you really are the the architect of your own destiny in this (laughs) um i think it's a very healthy attitude to pass on to your kids that actually you know first and foremost work should be well probably fun really you you know it should be something that you're choosing to do and that you get something from whether it's fulfilling and stimulating and intellectually stretching even you know remunerative i think all of those things are kind of up for grabs within what you choose but it should definitely be something that you're proud to spend your time doing. Yeah, it's really funny you say that. One of my motivations for starting this podcast was actually when I, when Evie was born, like any good tech entrepreneur, I went on YouTube, I went on Google, and I started looking for some podcasts about fatherhood. And a lot of the podcasts that I listened to talked in an incredibly begrudging way about work. And I remember one phrase that said, you know, it's not fun, it's called work. That's why it's called work not fun. And I thought to myself, what a sorry state of affairs. What a sorry way to have to live your life. Like you said, there are always things you have to do that you don't like, right? Uh, And there's always times where even running your own business, like you say, being the architect of your own destiny, you, you wonder how on earth you got here. But I feel, you know, when you are a, uh, a founder, you're actually really lucky to do something that you've created. And absolutely, it should be fun. And that's a wonderful thing. You're absolutely right. Evie's not quite old enough. You, you know, she's just about last week, she learned how to crawl, which has opened up a whole new voyage of, of literal pain and suffering for her. But, you know, I'm looking forward to at some point uh, talking to her, teaching her about what we've done and what, what HX, how we made HX. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there is a bit of a cliche that work and family and you know, what they call a work-life balance, that those are competing interests. I mean, it sounds like you've 
kind of found a, you know, another way to, to think about that or another way to put those together. Oh, definitely. I found there was a great quote, you know, which is that work and life are not two different things. They're just very, very important parts of a whole existence. I think this is a relatively common thing among, amongst people with a, an entrepreneurial founding mindset is that they don't see work as a kind of something that crowds out life. I think the one thing I would say, possibly slightly offshoot to the question you asked about working patterns, is that you do need to be better with boundaries. You know, I think it, 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 as you talked about, like you said, when you were running your business in your 20s, it, it's very easy for you to never, ever switch off. Yeah. And that's something I, I still struggle with right now. You know, Evie's been around for eight months uh, as of today, in fact. And I still find it difficult to switch off. Um, uh, and I think that's going to be a lifelong work in progress. But there's no better motivator than to want to do it than your child wanting to play or, or more, more accurately, crawling off towards that new plug socket that she wants to put her fingers in. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes flexible working means the flexibility to work every hour that you can find in the day to, to do it. I think having some quite chunky other interests in life, like spending time with your family, I think it does help you to put some barriers around that time. There are lots of occasions where I'm with my family now where I think I'm absolutely buggered if I'm going to let work interfere with my enjoyment of this time. And so it becomes absolutely legitimate to leave your phone at home or suddenly, you know, turn it off somewhere. But I don't think that's the same thing as saying, oh, work's so dreadful. It follows me around everywhere and yeah. I, I relish the chance to, to escape from it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really just about balancing it. Um, for sure. I mean, something I find is that when I, if I'm really hacked off with my family, which happens more and more as they approach kind of early teenagerhood, <laughs> actually going and spending some time doing work things, talking to work people or just concentrating on work problem, it just puts your head in a completely different place. It's very difficult to, to be outraged at the behaviour of a teenager if you're concentrating on a nice way to solve a little challenge or, you know, the best way to respond to something that someone's raised. And, and conversely, you know, there, there are times where work is really challenging and it has a habit of filling the available space. And yes. it's a lovely counterbalance to, to just say, well, all right, because I'm sick of one thing doesn't mean I'm sick of all of these things. I'm just going to go and do something completely different for a while. And I think that, that works really, really well. For, for me, certainly. Yeah, no, that's, de that's definitely true. I've got a, a very uh, left-field question, I suppose, that's come to mind, especially because Evie's still very young and so is HX. Did you have any pleasant surprises about being a startup dad that you didn't expect? So, you know, you had two, three kids while building multiple businesses. Were there any times you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, geez, I'm really lucky, actually, that I'm running my, my own business. This is something that would be you know, I wouldn't be able to do this, this, that or the other in the corporate world. Yeah, that, there's quite a few things in there, really. I I think there have been quite a few occasions where I have thought to myself, I'm really fortunate that this is how my cards have landed. For instance, one thing I found is that in the startup world, you're always having to learn stuff. In fact, we talked about this a little bit last episode as well. You're always having to learn things. There's always a hundred things that need doing that you don't really know how to do and you're kind of improvising and to the best of your ability. And requiring that plasticity in your mind and that, to use a cliche, that kind of growth mindset that, of course, I can do it because I need to do it. Therefore, you know, all I've got to do is figure out how to do it. I think that's that's been really helpful to me, especially kind of seeing my kids start to grapple with 
learning maths, for instance, or learning musical instruments and seeing them be daunted by it. And I don't know, I have an awful lot of empathy with the the child that just can't get that chord right on the guitar. And I think, well, that's interesting because, you know, I was I was feeling exactly like that about something, you know, and it's rarely more than 48 hours from <laughs> the last time I was faced with a situation <laughs> that just needed a little bit of... Um, let's say a bit more than lateral thinking to get through it um so i'd say it's kind of symbiotic though i feel like my my kids have coached my growth mindset but i feel like i'm pretty fluent at coaching theirs as well i think that's probably the the biggest angle to it i can relate to that a lot i think Having worked in the corporate world, where actually, generally, you start your career, if you, you know, nowadays, or, or as it has been certainly for the last 15 or 20 years, on, on a graduate scheme, and slowly, slowly, your comfort zone is expanded. And you generally work, you know, the envelope that you push um, is not that big. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that people working in the corporate world all have it very easy, not by any means. But generally, you follow a career progression where actually you're outside your comfort zone in relatively incremental steps. Whereas as a child and in a startup, there are days where I'm completely out of my comfort zone, not days, weeks, months, actually, where, you know, Michael, my co-founder and I, we used to joke, you know, at the very early stages of HX, we'd walk across London Bridge to see clients and investors kind of on, on a weekly basis. And kind of every month I would joke with him. I was like, so Michael, what completely new set of skills do I have to learn <laughs> this month, right? We learned how to incorporate a business, set it up. Then after that, learn how to pay people, learn how to build a product, learn how to sell it, all of these different bits. And actually, I am probably much more sympathetic now, you know, when I look at the, the challenges that my team face or that uh, I can see how in the future when Evie, you know, the, the step of going to school for the first time or going out to play with people you don't know, actually probably feels that's probably a pretty profound event for a yeah. child. Uh, again, it's probably the sort of thing, if you've got the right mindset, you make that a bilateral learning experience, don't you? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's right. All right, time now for Startup Shoutouts, where Amrit and I shine a light on some of the early stage businesses that we really admire and talk about what it is we like about them. Startup Shoutouts. My Startup Shoutout is Feedback Fish. Feedback Fish, it's a fascinating company. They have created a, a widget that you can embed uh, within a website to collect issues, ideas, and compliments. And it allows you to collect those that feedback and receive it as an email. So it's the sort of thing I suppose you'd embed in a, a website or a product. And our product at HX, our product, which is called Renew, is a, is a website SaaS-based product. I find this startup really interesting. It uh, was a business that was built in a hackathon over, I think it was 72 hours by the creators of uh, a web design framework called Styled Components, which is a, a bit geeky, but it's a, a tool, a system that we, we've used in our product. It's a really cool, incredibly well-designed, well-thought-out product for something that was created in a really short time by some people who I really respect and admire as technologists. Uh, and I was just shocked at how incredibly simple and effective and well put together it was for a product that was created in an incredible burst of uh, creativity over a, over a time-boxed window. So the website is uh, feedback.fish. So I've learned that there is a .fish top-level domain. <laughs> um, so yeah, go check it out. Oh, will do. Sounds good. I had to think about this. Um, I really like a little company called Data Smoothie. So, so the, the founder, Gear, described it to me as the medium of data. 
And, and I was kind of, oh, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, like medium like the blog. And so they built a tool that makes it really easy to tell stories with data in the same way that you um, can draw charts or put data sets into, into a statistical package to discover what's interesting about them. This kind of does that for you. And it just creates a kind of uh, you know, interactive visualizations from data. It's specifically targeted at analysts and researchers and marketers a bit, that kind of thing. But it's a really snazzy uh, little tool. And I think I love it because I'm fascinated by data. You, you, you know, there, there are so many amazing stories wrapped up inside data sets, some of which we know about, the huge majority, no one ever pays enough attention to, to even understand what's going on with them. And so I think I just, you know, A, I really respect the effort, but B, they are, they're making it possible for more of these stories to be told and, and for more people to get more understanding of what some of these things actually mean. They've, they've got a few really good clients already, quite a few kind of market research organisations and, and polling organisations use them. But yeah, I'm, I'm really enthusiastic to see where they go next because I, I just love what they do and what they make possible. That's really cool. Uh, as you know, HX is a, uh, our product is very much focused on making better decisions and deriving insights from data. So I'm going to look them up uh, and maybe look them up as a business to see if HX can work with them. So that's uh, useful directly for me. If no one else, none of my listeners <laughs> find it useful, I will have found that useful. So thanks. Awesome. That's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening to Startup Dads. See ya. See ya.